Welcome to Bring on the Mess, a show where we have real conversations about how to embrace life's messiness and how we find ways to show up and uncover our true selves. I'm Beth Ann Dorman, the CEO at For All Seasons. And I'm Lisa Lee, the Chief Clinical Officer here at For All Seasons. Episode 26. Episode 26. Here we are. It's been a long little venture. It has. We started this podcast as a way to just sort of share some of our expertise and the love that we share for Brene Brown. And we hope you guys are enjoying the journey with us because it's a new year, 2023, and here we are on our 26th episode. Yeah, and I think it's really important that, I don't know about you, Bethann, but for me to be sort of a bit down to earth too, like Mm -hmm. we're really trying to be vulnerable and real about life's messiness and that it is certainly not perfect in how we show up in the world, but that how we can get through some of the really tough times and just give you some ideas about maybe things that could work for you in life, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we're excited to share some sort of updates. This was not part of our planned podcast discussion, but as we sit in episode 26, I think it's important that you all know that we've started to really use Bring on the Mess in a pretty significant way. So Lisa and I do lots of presenting in the community and We've done some video Bring on the Mess snippets throughout the holidays. And so you'll start to see Bring on the Mess as part of us throughout the counties that we serve, but also across the airwaves and on television and in the movie theaters and just ways that we can really talk about real life stuff. And I'm always astounded when I tell people the name of our (laughs) podcast because they're always like, oh, I love it because... We all know life's messy. It might look perfect on Facebook or on Instagram or all of these places, but it's a messy world out there. And it's funny because even as much as we say that, people are still surprised that and and need reminders that it really isn't a perfect world out there and Mm -hmm. that what looks to be a good situation isn't always what's happening. And so for us, it's just really important that we say or show that life isn't always easy and that there's other things that are going on. And again, it's just important that we show up as our true genuine selves Mm -hmm. to say, like, here's where we get it wrong. Here's what happens when we get it right. And here's what we've learned in the situations. Yeah. I was thinking back over this past weekend, you know, there was the collapse of the Buffalo Bills player on Monday Night Football. And I have, as you all have heard us talk about, we both have kids and I've got four boys at home, 17, 13, 13, and 11. And it was an interesting conversation with my kids about the reality of of what life brings to you. And to watch something as difficult as their player fall to the ground in cardiac event, it reminds me that not only is life messy, but sometimes life throws some things at Mm -hmm. us that we're not prepared for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really important to pull back to some of the stuff that we've talked about with everybody on the podcast of what do we need? Do we need the pause? Do we need to take a moment? How do we have these hard conversations? And so hopefully the other thing that we've been able to do over these 26 podcasts is give you some tools and strategies that when something becomes really messy that you weren't expecting, then maybe you've got a different way to approach a conversation. Yeah, and I was sharing with you yesterday, Bethann, that I learned something really interesting about myself. And so here's maybe a little tidbit for us all, which is for a long time, I get this pain in my neck. It's like the back part. I don't know. It's a pain in my neck somewhere in, the, in that part. 
In a true sense, not just the words. (laughs) Truly a pain. And I was driving out to an event yesterday and for a long time I've had it and I couldn't put, I, I couldn't make sense of it other than I think it's when I get stressed. And so I'm driving to this event and I realize I'm not stressed at all. I don't feel stressed at all. I'm pretty calm, kind of running through my head what potentially could be happening and things to say. And what I realized, it was so interesting. In just that moment, it was, oh, you're mobilizing. Mm. And this is your body's way of getting ready for something potentially (laughs) stressful or hard or challenging. And so what I think is important is that we don't always know in the moment what's happening. We might know what's happening in our body, but we can't make sense of it at that moment. But eventually, if you stick with it, you're going to figure it out. And again, there is this sort of getting ready for things is and practicing mm-hmm. is really important. So if there's things that you've heard in the podcast that have been important or useful, keep practicing. Right. That's really right. important is to keep practicing those skills. I think back to Natalie Kogan, who is a dear friend of mine who came and she's a national, she's an author and she's a speaker. And she always says happiness is something you have to practice. Mm-hmm. And I think response to things is something you have to practice. And you don't just get good at it overnight. And people will say that to me when I do public speaking. They're like, wow, that was great. Well, I've been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> right. That was not what my first speech looked like, I can assure you. Right. But I think sometimes we forget that when it's work-related, when it's mom or dad-related, when it's something that you are tasked to do, sometimes the work is a little bit easier. But some of these things really come back to how do we show up as our best selves? And that's really, we say that in the podcast, is uncovering our true selves through this podcast. And you have to work at it in order to make a shift. And you and I talk about this a lot, that Brene Brown for me was not, and for you, it wasn't just a training and a facilitating training that we went to and a certification that we hold, it's a new way of life. Right. And part of the reason that we can live into our values of Bernays work is that it's truly something we've worked at. We get it wrong. We talk it through. And that's an important piece as we think about our bring on the mess and, and why we're doing what we're doing. Right. And one of the things Brene talks about is how she defines connection. And for me, that was something that was really important about energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. And I know you use that phrase all the time. I use it all the time. I love it. I do. I do. I love it. And so I, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about connection and then I think about you know, readiness and then how do you take care of yourself after mm-hmm. these events that happen? So whether it's the team having to take care of themselves after the cardiac event, mm-hmm. whether it's a work-related stress, and then how do you take care of yourself after that? Or if you're a stay-at-home mom or a grandparent raising a grandchild, whatever it is, is mm-hmm. then how do we take care of ourselves through connection and then afterwards? Yeah, that whole seen, heard, and valued piece. There's things that you come across in life that just resonate with you. And so that for me is one of the things that I really truly believe is that we, as human beings, we are hardwired for connection. So when we have that seen, heard, and valued component that shows up, that's when we're at our best. And when I think about my kids, I think about friends or colleagues or anybody in our faith communities, coaches, when someone isn't seen, heard, or valued, if all three of those components are not fully present, then that's when we're not at our best. Because if you're feeling unseen, then you're not gonna feel valued, you're not gonna feel heard. And so it sort of is that, it's that triad to success of connection. And 
for me, when I think about our, our self-care piece and we talk about like, what is self-care? So Lisa and I, we had this really big conversation yesterday about self-care. Well, okay. That's like the new buzzword. Self-care, self-care, it's everywhere. It's in the workplace, it's in the home, it's in faith communities, it's in our coaching, it's in everything. But what exactly is it? And what does it look like? And when self-care comes into play, what are some of the stories that we tell ourselves about whether or not self-care is the right choice? Well, I think that we have to look at when it comes to self-care, So when we're thinking about what does it mean, you and I had talked about that it's different maybe for men and women Mm -hmm. and how it's seen or how it shows up. And what I was thinking was for women, maybe something about self-care is maybe it's more common or acceptable for women to do self-care. So in this article that I looked up in 2014, it was a men's article, but it was all about women's self-care. So it completely dismissed that men needed Mm self-care and how important or valuable. And so again, this is making an assumption without doing a whole bunch of research that men are supposed to be workers and providers and go, go, go. But what about them taking care of themselves and showing up for themselves? And so, of course, there's differences in men and women and how it shows up. But it was interesting that it focused so much on women and kind of dismissed men. Absolutely. We have done some work in the past with uh, Don McPherson, who is a former NFL football player. And he's in the Hall of Fame at Syracuse. And he and I have done some work together. And he wrote a book called You Throw Like a Girl. And it's all about healthy masculinity. And there are certainly, when we think about self-care and you think about the difference between men and women, there are those stereotypes that you're talking about. And Don's whole career has been built around, you men are supposed to be tough and strong and not cry and there's no self-care, what's that? But his perspective is that women can be strong and take care of themselves and, and be the breadwinners. And men can also be soft and kind and loving because that's the healthy masculinity lens. And when we talk about self-care and whether or not men should have self-care, I also was going to Google yesterday because we Google everything now. (laughs) And there was a wonderful article that said if somebody was given four hours to cut down a tree, they might spend three hours sharpening their blade in order to prepare to cut down the tree. And of course, this was a men's article. I, I was thinking I could cut down a tree, but <laughs> it would have to be smaller. You can. <laughs> it would have to be smaller. But the point of the article was that how can you show up as your best self if you haven't done the work to be prepared for the job at hand? And so when I think about it for me, for my husband, for my boys, for anybody, how do we show up as our best selves if we are exhausted, if we're not at our sharpest, if we haven't done the work to make sure that we've got the strength to do what's in front of us. And that piece all equals men and women. You can't say, okay, you can take care of yourself, but no, you really shouldn't because it's against the grain. So basically what you're saying is self cares for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Kids included. 100%. Kids included. 100%. You and I talked and there was this great example that you gave it, about working out. Mm-hmm. And I totally resonated with it because if I don't get my workout, I feel like a different person. Mm-hmm. It's my self-care to be with like myself, feeling all sweaty and my body's working in a certain way. And that's just a way that I take care of myself. Now, there are times, granted, that I have to be flexible and I know I have to change something or modify something. I mean, you gave a great analogy about 
a workout. Yeah, so what I was saying to Lisa was, if I don't get my hour at the gym, then maybe to the outside world, that's just me not going to work out for an hour. However, what it does for me is then I become resentful that I haven't gotten my hour at the gym. And so it's the negotiation of, can my kids be on screens for an hour while I go work out? The answer is yes, because if I don't work out, then I'm irritated that I haven't worked out. Then I'm annoyed that, well, I had that extra piece of candy today and now I haven't done the workout that I should have done. And I don't show up as my best self for my kids. So what are the consequences of not taking care of yourself? And Brene has a great saying that talks about timeouts. And I look at it sort of the same way of self-care. She says, I've never regretted a time when I took a time out, but I've always regretted it when I didn't. And so I equate that back to that analogy of the gym and my children. That's my time out. Right. And if I don't take it, then I have a host of things that come with not feeling like I've gotten my own stuff taken care of. And what I think comes up is the potential of, well, that's selfish. (laughs) Yes. Right. And so when we think about the word selfish, it was about, are we taking care of ourselves, our own needs, and then show up for our best selves? And sometimes people think of that as selfish. Mm -hmm. And we were looking through, like, what does selfish actually mean? It's about lack of compassion for the other. Right. And it's interesting because when you think about letting your kids on screen time and then you going to the gym, I don't think that's lack of compassion at all. Most likely your kids are loving that, by the way. And it's like compassion for both. Compassion for Mm -hmm. your kids to say, like, here you go. Go take some time for yourselves. Do your screens or whatever it is. And then compassion for yourself that says, I'm taking care of myself in the way that I need to show up for my best self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when I hear self-care and I hear is going to somebody you hear different conversations and so say that somebody chose to go get their nails done or they're choosing to go get a massage some of the things that we hear from people is self-care is selfish self-centered means you don't care about people it's the all about me there is such a negative view that sometimes i believe in my true heart of hearts that We just keep going and going and going as men and women both. This isn't just for moms, this is for dads, or even if you don't have children. We just keep going because there's such guilt associated with taking the break sometimes. And is it that we have to show up 10 times better than we think we need to because every other person is coming to volunteer at an event? And how do you say no? I can't do that because I've got to go do this. And so I think part of it is that negotiation of the when and the how. But the other piece with self-care that I think sometimes gets in the way is the guilt Mm -hmm. of taking time for yourself. Right. And when I sit back and hear you, I reflect on perception. Mm -hmm. So it's really the perception and how we see it because people might judge, people might have their opinions about what self-care is. And if we could look at it through the lens of what you said, which is I could show up as my best self this way by doing this need, whether it's getting my nails done, whether it's working out, whether it's having a cup of tea, Mm -hmm. whether it's just taking a half an hour just to sit, whatever it is for that person, if I perceive it to be okay, then how do I handle, I guess, 
the other people's perception about it because sometimes that's what comes in, right? right. Like I feel guilty because maybe people are going to judge me for it. And judgment is really hard, right? And yeah. Brene says that we only judge when someone else is doing worse than us. Mm-hmm. When it's an area where we're watching someone else. So somebody might judge you for going to work out because they have not gotten to a place where they're putting themselves first to be able to get to the gym every day. Right. Or maybe it's somebody who's dying to work out, but they just don't, they haven't found the motivation. So they may say, I can't believe you're going to the gym every morning and not staying home with your kids. You judge in areas where you're not doing as well as the person that you're judging. Right. It's that judgment piece. And I know there's differences between guys and girls. Like, I totally get that. I don't always like to admit it, but <laughs> I know it exists. But I say to my husband all the time, I'm like, you you have a really good ability to be compassionate and caring and also not give to anything what somebody thinks. Mm-hmm. And so he is so all about like, I'm going to do this and this is what I'm doing. And I don't care what people think. And I sit so much in a space of like, oh my gosh, but what if somebody thinks X, Y, or Z? (laughs) Right, right, right. And so I think that's another one of those, like we talk about skills. It's really hard to move out of feeling shame from someone's judgment Mm -hmm. to be able to take care of yourself. And I have to have conversations with myself all the time of, it doesn't matter what someone else thinks. This is what you need to do for you. And it's okay. Right. Well, it's interesting that you say that too, because I'm pretty good at not caring about some things, but I will tell you if somebody said, I can't believe you would do that. And it relates to my kids, like a parenting Mm -hmm. thing. Holy cow. I start to care a whole lot. Yeah. And then I notice, and then it gets a little bit more messy for me that Mm -hmm. way. I struggle with what I start to tell myself and is it okay and I'll call somebody sometimes you (laughs) phone a friend (laughs) I take the phone a friend option and I say is it okay if and then I get the the second validation that I need because Mm -hmm. sometimes I have to understand that I've got hooked Mm -hmm. by what's happening and it's sort of out of my capacity and so I need sort of a co-regulator right. or a co-author in my story yeah. of what I'm telling myself uh-huh. to be able to kind of help me shift out of that place. Right, because that's the art. Like, as you were just saying that, it's honing in on the art of knowing when it's somebody else's stuff mm-hmm. that's being projected onto us right. as we're doing that self-care. And so yesterday, we also talked a little bit. Now, this was not IRB research. This was us just sitting around the office having these conversations. But we talked yesterday about also what it, what it's like when we have good self-care mm-hmm. and someone in our life who we really care about doesn't have good self-care. And what is the stress that places itself on us if somebody in your life isn't sitting in a good self-care space and you can't seem to move people and you really want to and here's what came out so the question I asked everybody was how does the stress of someone not having good self-care in your life affect you and these were some pretty powerful words anger resentment ignoring avoiding passive-aggressive and maybe there's some digs on digs and it it really sort of brought us to a conversation of if we're living in a situation where good self-care isn't happening across the board, it can be really hard when we care about someone and we're watching them not pay attention to self-care. Absolutely. And my favorite is 
just to ignore and avoid. Right. <laughs> and I will say in preface to that though, that there's an effort to try to engage in self-care and then there's this feeling of helplessness. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, I didn't use that word yesterday, but that comes to my mind now. There's this feeling of helplessness. What else can I do to support this person? I've done everything possible. And maybe that's true or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then it gets to that point of, well, I guess there's nothing else I could do, so I'm just going to ignore the problem and avoid the problem as right. much as possible. Or I'm going to get upset, or I'm going to make mm-hmm. under underhanded comments. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that's a piece where being able to engage in a conversation, and I know I've had to do it in my life where I've had to sit down and say, I really care about you, and this isn't about the numbers on the scale. It isn't about the food you're putting in your body. It's about me wanting you here longer and I'm concerned for your health or your well-being, which is much different than go on a diet, right, <laughs> you know? Right, right, And so I think sometimes it's about how we approach it too. Absolutely, and here's the other thing, and we know this about human nature, is people will be ready when they're ready. Mm-hmm. And someone was saying that they'd had conversations after conversations, and I don't know if it was the new year, I don't know what it was, but this person finally shifted and said, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. and. So I think we could try own our own stuff in how frustrating it might be or helpless we feel or our own digs or whatever's coming up, but that other person really needs to be ready to make some changes mm-hmm. and we could be there to support them when that starts to happen. Yeah, and you know, in our last podcast, we talked about those New Year's resolutions and mm-hmm. I'm sure that this is gonna sort of dovetail with some things that people have been thinking about and remembering that you don't have always have to have a New Year's resolution. And then in self-care, it's no different in my mind than those resolutions. Starting small, shifting one thing. Self-care doesn't mean that you're going to go from no days in the gym to I have to be in the gym seven days a week. And so really thinking through how self-care works and giving yourself permission that you have to learn how to do it. It's not something you're going to be able to do right away. So practice. And I don't know why, but the thought occurred to me when you were talking, and I know we've been talking about the gym a lot, that tends to be like the biggest topic, especially in resolutions, weight and mm-hmm. getting to the gym. But how lovely would it be if our self-care was talking to ourselves differently? Mm-hmm. You know, so adding something different. Mm-hmm. And that does take practice because if we're used to being hard on ourselves, then it's more procedural, meaning we don't have to think about it. We just, that thought comes up. And so we have to be more intentional. And I know you use that word a lot, intentional. Mm -hmm. We have to be intentional about what we're doing. So we have to practice it. And how lovely would it be for all of us on this podcast to be able to start talking to ourselves differently and then being able to help other people talk to themselves Mm -hmm. differently Mm -hmm. so that our perception of ourselves and what we're doing is okay. So permission to take care of ourselves. Right, right, yeah. So today we have given you some little insight into what's happening in the Bring on the Mess world. We've talked a little bit about self-care and what it looks like when we don't have it. And so we hope that you will take the invitation to give this some thought figure out what it means for you. It's going to look different for everybody. And I love that you framed it back to like, we're talking about the gym a lot, but maybe for somebody writing a poem Mm -hmm. or getting back to reading a book. So whatever that might be, we hope that you travel on that journey with us. And we look forward to being with you in two weeks when we return for episode 27. (laughs)